What is going on, everyone? Welcome into a new episode of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the flagship show for LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning, and I am your host. And folks, it's back. It is game week. Ohio State has actual real-life football to play on Saturday against Florida Atlantic. I am so pumped. We made it through another offseason. It's here, baby. College football's back. Before we get into today's show and preview the Florida Atlantic game with Cyrus Smith over at Underdog Dynasty, I want to let you guys know what the plan is for the Hangout in the Holy Land this season. If you're a regular listener, you know that Patrick Mayhorn, my usual co-host for the last couple of years, he left to go to Buckeye Sports Bulletin, unfortunately for us, but fortunately for him, he took another step in his career. Can't wait to see what he does there this season. So that leaves me solo dolo here on the podcast, and that's going to be the plan pretty much all year. What we're going to do for preview episodes like this is I'm going to talk to somebody from one of the SB Nation blogs for whoever Ohio State is playing that week, and that's how we're going to preview each game week to get a sense of the opponent and that perspective. And then for the recaps, what I want to do is have you guys be involved because I'm going to go solo on those. And what I want you to do is interact with the show. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. One, you can send us a tweet at Holy Land Pod. Two, you can send me a tweet at Dubs Co. And three, you can send the site tweets at LandGrant33. I want to do my best to encourage you guys to have a voice on this show, be a part of it, and just give your thoughts on everything happening in Ohio State. So whether it's during the games or after the games, I'm going to record. So I want to hear from you guys, your takes, your takeaways, who you thought played well, who you thought didn't play well. That's something that I want to encourage this season and make you guys a bigger part of the show. Because honestly, you're already hearing me ramble by myself for like 25 minutes this year. So I want to make sure you you and your voice is heard as much as possible and we get as many different perspectives out there on these games as we can. So follow along with that and be sure to interact with us on those platforms. It should be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. And honestly, it's way less editing for me. So selfishly, yeah, this rules. Let's get it. It's going to be a lot of fun this season. So please be sure to interact with me on all of those platforms. With that out of the way, Let's talk about some actual football, man. It's been about eight months since we previewed an Ohio State game. And while Lane Kiffin certainly isn't the Rose Bowl and Florida Atlantic is not that, it still should be a lot of fun. And I sat down and chatted with one of the managing editors for Underdog Dynasty, Cyrus Smith, the other day to talk about Florida Atlantic, their outlook for the season, how Lane Kiffin is doing there, and how they match up with Ohio State thought it was very informative and gave a good glimpse into what this game might look like on Saturday. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with Cyrus Smith of Underdog Dynasty previewing Ohio State and Florida Atlantic. With that in mind, I am super excited to be joined by one of the managing editors over at Underdog Dynasty and his name is Cyrus Smith. Cyrus, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm super excited for college football season. I'm ready to to preview this game. And before we talk about it, I want to know, on a scale of 1 to 10, 
how upset are you that we don't get to see the circus that is Lane Kiffin, Urban Meyer too? You know, a little bit upset. I mean, I'd be, I, I would say that with Meyer gone, it does um, give me a, you know, maybe like instead of a zero percent chance of thinking FAU can win, maybe about maybe two or three percent. But uh, but man, that would have been great. <laughs> yeah, you think there's anything in the back of Lane Kiffin's head where he's like, I know he's ducking me. He didn't want this smoke again. <laughs> a- after. FAU had such a great season in 2017. They go 11 and three. They win Conference USA, go five and seven last year. This is going to be Lane Kiffin's third year there. What are what are the feelings right now about Lane Kiffin and how he's doing? Because there, there's really not a lot of attention on him. There was when they won 11 games early on, but it seems like at least from national media, we haven't heard a lot about Lane Kiffin in the last year and a half. Well, I mean, since Lane Kiffin has arrived in Boca Raton, he's stressed that he loves the environment down there mainly because of how low key it is. You know, it's not like Miami or FSU or any or UF, any of the big three schools in that you don't really have a lot of media attention down there, which is something he felt like he flourishes in as far as being under the radar. As far as fans feel, I mean, after year one, rise of admissions at the university um, due to the success of the school could not have gone better as far as the Heisman campaign for Dippin Singletary winning, winning the, the conference title and then signing the best recruiting class in Conference USA. Of course, last year you have the five and seven season where things went, everything that could have went wrong went completely wrong. And the marriage between him and offensive coordinator Charlie Weiss Jr. did not really go so well. So I think fans are still kind of wait and see mode. He's by no means on the hot seat considering the things that he's done for the university, but what considering what Butch Davis is building at FIU, a rival school for FAU for those who do not know, um, fans are a little bit worried and do want to see some results this year because it seems like FIU is going to be a conference contender as Davis's tenure um, as the head coach. And losing to them and seeing FIU flourish by kind of founders is not something that Lane Kiffin wants to put himself in. You mentioned Charlie Weiss Jr. being there, coming off the five and seven season, that relationship plus. Three early draft uh, entries for them last season on offense. What are the main stories for them coming into this season? What are what are you looking for, not just in this game against Ohio State, but for the season overall for Florida Atlantic? Um, I would say predominantly, I mean, like you mentioned, without Devin Singletary, who is definitely the best player in school history. He's now drafted with the Buffalo Bills, who was a third-round pick. And then Kareth White Jr., backup running back, who many expected to kind of be the guy for the offense this year surprisingly loved score early to go to the draft and then ended up getting drafted by the chicago bears and i believe this sixth round there is no real contributors on the team right now um or as far as offensively outside of uh willie wright jr speedster slot guy and then harrison bryant all conference tight end at the moment what really killed fau last year was a lack of an identity it was nothing but flare screens and then dives and stretch zones for Singletary or Kareth White Jr. or a jet sweep for Willie Wright. There was no creativity on the offense, which is that might be like hard to believe considering Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss Jr. were the offensive minds behind it. But I'm telling you, there was no identity. And the majority, the main reason why that existed was because redshirt freshman Chris Robinson, who was a former four-star recruit and a former Oklahoma quarterback before he transferred over, just could not grasp the playbook. Um, you know, the even though we ran the ball consistently well, it's just that he could not make smart decisions. And you kind of expect the the ups and downs of a freshman, but that was that's really what kind of hurt last year. So entering this season, 
really is it really it's about establishing an identity we don't have a go-to feature back aside from bj emmons and the james charles um but none of those guys are the talents of Devin singletary so really it's going to take a lot of scheme wise schemes and creativity from charlie weiss jr and lane kiffin so that's kind of really what i'm expecting out of the offensive side of the ball. How much pressure is there on Chris Robinson to step up and take that next step? Because in reading about Florida Atlantic all offseason, that's one of the main things I've heard is the potential and how he was a guy that signed with Oklahoma. So he has that pedigree at least where people know he's a good quarterback and he has these traits, got into some off-the-field trouble. He's going to play this season. What does he have to do to take that next step and really kind of be the guy for them on offense now that – you talked about the all of this talent from them last season left. I mean, it's really just the maturity level. Um, like you mentioned before, the suspension, he kind of missed all of spring, so he missed a lot of reps where he could have, you know, kind of progressed himself, maturely getting immersed in the playbook, and then, of course, building that rapport with the receivers and the tight ends and his teammates. Uh, his maturity level has been, you know, it hasn't been the best since he's been here, but the next step that I really would like to see him progress through is that he has the arm, he has the the accuracy and the th- throwing power as far as arm strength. It's literally like his mental capacity for the game to making the right reads. Last year, like I said, we really couldn't even really see his maturity on the field because of the, how limited the playbook was. Whether that was due to Charlie Weiss Jr. and Lane Kiffin giving him too much to handle and him not being able to grasp it, or just himself not making the correct reads to kind of get out of certain plays. I'm really wanting to see like his awareness on the field and how be, he's able to c- kind of be more even killed versus uh, his home and road splits. Because he was tremendous at home last year. But on the road, he was very, very bad. Very, very bad. And I think, like I said before, that kind of comes with you know, what it's like to be a freshman. Nowadays, we see guys like Trevor Lawrence and Tua and those guys, you know, immediately five-star guys, and you expect them, expect them to contribute earlier. But generally speaking, as a... As far as freshman goes, it's usually a natural progression. So really this year, now that he's a redshirt sophomore, he's had two, three years to kind of get him himself immersed I'm at FAU and now two years under Lane Kiffin and Charlie Weiss Jr. I'm really hoping and looking forward to seeing him progress on the field mentally, making the correct reads. So defensively, that last year, they, they weren't awful, but they weren't good. They finished 82nd in defensive S&P Plus. <laughs> and everything is just kind of, when looking at the stats, whether it's success rate, giving up big plays, stopping the run, standard downs, they're just all kind of in that 70 to 85 range. But they have talent on defense. What do they do best, and how are they going to be able to improve this season? Defensively, I would say, like you said, there's definitely talent um, on that side of the ball. What's kind of been an issue is the kind of the, the continuity on that side of the ball. This is now going to be the third first-year defensive coordinator, so it's another playbook for them to learn. And they do lose some, lose some key guys in Aziz Hausher here, um, who was the star captain, uh, um, team captain for the team on the, that side of the ball. But to be sure, there is talent. The, the, the majority of the talent do rest in the secondary, in my opinion. Guys like James Pierre, Yvonne Brown, um, you have a list of guys who's capable of making an all-conference team. Um, whether they're going to be able to mesh well with first-year defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer, who many know like he was um, the defensive coordinator back with Gundy at Oklahoma State for those years when they were kind of building their thing, uh, that's going to be the key. Uh, whether they can finally kind of grasp another playbook and kind of seamlessly move in their talent. Last year, they didn't have the pieces in the front seven to kind of with 
do those things. Uh, this year, the defensive line is a lot better as far as continuity-wise, but it's still not up to the standards that many fans would like to see this defense progress. I mean, being that we do reside in Florida, we would expect to, the team to have a lot of athletes in the back seven, but it's really that line of scrimmage that kind of controls things, and we've still yet to have a start since uh, Trey Hendrickson left uh, a few years ago. So when it comes to this game on Saturday, we don't really know exactly what Ohio State is going to be offensively with Justin Fields at quarterback, but we do have a pretty good feel now of what a Ryan Day offense looks like. How do you think the Florida Atlantic defense stacks up, and what would be a successful day for their defense, in your opinion? I think a successful day would be limiting the big plays. The big plays absolutely killed FAU last year, um, keeping things in front of them. Like I said, there's a lot of talent and speed on that side of the ball, but none of that matters when they're running the wrong way. Um, last year, they kind of came out very aggressive against Oklahoma and then got shredded completely, underestimating. Well, I wouldn't say they underestimated, but just Oklahoma speed with Kyler Murray and Hollywood Brown was just far too much for the speed that FAU had as a team defense. I would say that success looks like maybe giving up 38 points, um, something under 40, but just limiting the big plays. Force Ohio State to kind of move the ball and drive the ball around. Maybe taking um, away a turnover or two kind of just to show who the playmakers on that side of the ball will be this year. But again, given the constant change in schemes that's been going going with these uh, defensive players, I would be surprised if something any if they offered anything exotic outside of just their base defense, which is I believe the four two five this year. Offensively, it's such a tough matchup for them. Not only is it Florida Atlantic versus Ohio State, that offensive line against Ohio State's defensive line. Not to take away any of the the talent that Lane Kiffin has recruited, but then you lose those three guys we talked about. And to me, that really st- that's just a bad first matchup to be breaking in these new pieces on offense. So how, how do you think the offense will do, and what's a successful day for them? It's like you said, missing Devin Singletary is going to be a huge, huge miss for the team this year. The likely replacements this year will be B.J. Emmons, which was the former running back a few years ago, so he's highly touted, but kind of hasn't proven anything as of yet. And then you'll have... James Charles, who was kind of buried on the depth chart, but who's always shown flashes, and now this year he's kind of getting the opportunity to kind of prove himself. Those two, I still expect a run-first offense, but again, it's going to be on Chris Robinson and his ability to kind of make the right reads to see if the, the team will move the ball. For me, success will just look like making the correct reads and not having the dumb penalties that kind of push, put them behind the chains because if FA used to have any chance of moving the ball consistently against Ohio State, they can't obviously have self-inflicted wounds and self-inflicted tendencies like false starts and things of that nature. So um, really what, what I would be surprised if we didn't see if um, Lane Kiffin didn't try to test the middle of the defense with the running backs and then maybe occasionally kind of get Willie Wright, who's a speedster guy who Ohio State will definitely be keying on because he is a really, really fast guy. And, and in my opinion, definitely has this, the speed of someone on the Power 5 level. Um, he might test the perimeter, but... Again, like you said, I mean, Ohio State is so talented. I don't think any of that will even matter. When are we going to see, or what are the odds that we see one, a fake punt, or multiple trick plays in the first half? Um, you know, that that's the thing that I was kind of hinting at earlier. Last year, under Weiss and um, Kiffin, we just did not see really hardly any trick plays, hardly any creativity from the two. Um, this year, they've been saying the right things. Kiffin is kind of playing coy and not really elaborating on what the changes may be. Um, but I, last a few years ago when they played Wisconsin, they did try some new 
stuff. So I think we might see a trick player too. A fake punt might be a stretch considering how poor the special teams were last year. So they might just kind of keep that pace and not try anything weird. But um, a trick play on offense or two, I think could definitely be in the works just to show that this is going to be a news type of offense this season. Earlier on, you talked about the Oklahoma game, and I remember coming into that last season for the season opener, a lot of people were really excited about that because we didn't know what Oklahoma, or we didn't know exactly what Kyler Murray was going to look like for them, and FAU was coming off this great season. I remember people picking them to not only keep it close, but to possibly win that game. Do you think, yeah, yeah, crazy. Do you you think that (laughs) With kind of how Lane Kiffin, whether that's perception or not, how he is and how the programs run, not that the chances are great to win this game, but it's a better spot for them to come into this one with nobody really talking about it than how they were last year going into that Oklahoma game. Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't, he has his thing that on Twitter that he has since he's been the head coach where he wants the team and the players to avoid the rat poison. It's kind of the same mantra that Nick Saban uses um, in Tuscaloosa just to you know, stay away from the rat poison. I'm not sure whether the, the rat poison really did get to them last year, but two years ago when they stormed Conference USA and won, pulled off 11 straight wins to go 11-3, and three, the team was very under the radar, not much expectations, no, many, no one expected anything from them. And I think this season is matching up to be the same way, where they were picked to finish third in Conference USA, uh, behind Marshall and FIU. And they're kind of an unknown, you know, they lost some NFL guys, so they're not really much is expected of them other than, you know, maybe a 6-6, six and 75-type six, season, 7-5, and five, excuse me, type season. So I think this spot is a much better, much better role. Um, whether that will matter at the end of the day remains to be seen. But I definitely think, in my opinion, considering the trash talk among players, because even we saw that a bit where some players were, you know, coming out of the mouth on Twitter talking about Oklahoma guys. We haven't seen any of that this year. <laughs> and um, fortunately, you know, maybe that will lend itself to better results where the game might be cons- competitive after the first quarter. What are two things that have to happen for FAU to keep this game close? Um, to keep it close, I would definitely say turnovers. Um, like I said before, FAU's secondary is actually pretty good. It's not, you know, um, maybe there's there's maybe not too many guys that will make an all-Big Ten team, but there are definitely guys on, who are capable of signing some undrafted free agent deals in the NFL next year. The secondary is solid enough where they can possibly cause a turnover or two if Justin Fields is careless with the ball. Um, so turnovers would be key. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I mean... <sighs> It's so, I mean, I really wish I could def- have a clear definition of like what we may see considering how unimaginative the offense was last season. But some creativity, some cohesion, um, something that resembles a Lane Kiffin type offense, right? and we might have something. If it's something along more lines where it's, where it's more of the same, where we kind of get the same four core plays, then this thing is going to be over by the first quarter. Before we continue on with Cyrus, we got to take a break. Hear a word from our sponsors, pay the bills, but more importantly, make sure that I get paid. Thank you to our sponsors for making sure that I live like a fat cat here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. But with that out of the way, Cyrus, my final question, what is your prediction for Saturday? Uh, it's it's going to be pain. It's going to be pain. It's not <laughs> going to be as bad. It's not going to be as bad as last year, though, I feel like. I do feel like the team is a lot more disciplined and they haven't really been reading their own press clippings. And I do think flying on under the radar for them has been a key. Um, you know, it's so funny. 
back when I was growing up, you know, Ohio State, they couldn't handle SEC speed and Big Ten speed or um, Florida speed and all of that. And now, like, they have that. <laughs> yeah. So any of the any of that any of the misconceptions of that like Florida's speed guys at FAU are going to give Ohio State any issues is it's not going to be a problem at all for for the Buckeyes. Um, I I do see a much closer game, not like twenty eight zero at the end of the first quarter, early second quarter like last year, how we saw Owls was get handled by uh, the Sooners. But I think at the end of the day, Justin Fields will be Justin Fields and Ohio State will be Ohio State and they'll run away with from this. I would probably say something along the lines of 42 to like 17. Um, I do think the Owls will score in the first half, maybe about 10 points. It's all going to be predicated on turnovers, you know, whether Chris Roberson has actually truly matured and has kind of been allowed to kind of make the reads that he's necessarily capable of. Um, Again, that the offensive side of the ball is weird with the Lane Kiffin team. The defense, I'm kind of much more comfortable about versus the offense. I'm really not sure what we're going to get. This seems like it's the type of game for FAU where if you avoid injuries, whether it's physical or injuries to the <laughs> ego, and you get to week two, that's the type of thing where you still have your confidence, you're physically ready to go. Maybe they can have a season like they did in 2017. And you know what's funny about that? You know, I've been thinking about maybe you know Lane Kiffin just kind of doesn't show any to Ohio State and then kind of saves everything for UCF the next week because I know that's a game that that's been circled amongst the students and fans and that they want to make a statement considering all the hype that UCF has received over the past years um, with their success and Lane Kiffin was not very thrilled about what happened last year so there there is a, a little bit of a possibility where we don't really see anything imaginative out of FAU because they're saving it for UCF which that sounds completely insane considering the stature of the Ohio State's program but Lane Kiffin is a weird guy, so I can definitely see him trying to hold, hold everything back to make a statement the following week. That's a hell of a way to start the season, and obviously, beating Lane Kiffin beating UCF in Week Two would, and just holding his cards against Ohio State would be the most Lane Kiffin thing ever. And now I want to see it. <laughs> it really would. It really would. UCF does come to FAU, so um, like I said, I know that so many fans and students in the team has has had that circled since last year, since the. You know, uh, getting blown out by UCF, which was a that was, which is so funny. That was the best game that FAU looked all year, and they didn't look any close anywhere close to that being that good for staying with UCF that first half and the rest of the way. If they played like that, the way how they played UCF the rest of the way, they wouldn't they wouldn't won in Conference USA again. But we just never saw that team. And whether they put so much stock into that game last year and it kind of deflated them, I don't know. But I, I'm I'm. If, if there's any scenario out there that I think is probably not too far-fetched, it's Lane Kiffin not revealing anything just to pull out all the stops and try to beat UCF at home next the following week. No matter what happens, I can't wait to see what Lane Kiffin is bringing to the table and, and how he approaches this game, especially now knowing everything behind that with UCF in week two. And if you want to keep up with everything happening with FAU and Lane Kiffin this season, make sure to visit Underdog dynasty.com you can also follow them on twitter at underdog dynasty you can follow cyrus on twitter at cool Writes. and the best thing about underdog dynasty it's not just one team it's not just one conference it's everything g5 you can find everything there at underdog dynasty cyrus did i miss anything um no man that, that was everything man I'm, I'm really happy to be on i have a, my best friend He's a huge Buckeyes fan, and then um, I have another close friend who's a Michigan fan. So I, I'm, all, I'm always very well tuned with what's going on in the Big Ten, especially between that rivalry. 
And so um, I'm really excited to see what Ryan Day looks like. I mean, my my Michigan friend, he really thinks this is the year they kind of get over the hump. But I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm not. If this was, I don't know, as the further years we get removed from Harbaugh at Stanford, the more I'm kind of thinking like this might just be Michigan ceiling 9-3, with annual losses to the Buckeyes. But he doesn't want to hear it from me. He believes it's it's his year. So I'm intrigued, man. Ryan Day, I, I think he's always had the potential. Um, considering his his time at Oregon, then under Chip Kelly, then the Eagles, and now he's here. So, but guys are going to be good. I think people are throwing stones on them a bit too late. But uh, yeah, it, it does feel like it might be Michigan's year. So we'll see. Well, you're not going to get any uh, argument on this show about Harbaugh and, and Michigan's ceiling. I think me and and all the listeners would love to hear that take. So, folks, if you want to see more of takes like that, follow Cyrus on Twitter at CoolCyRights for everything college football. Some very good music takes on there as well, I can attest. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, make sure to interact with Cyrus. Cyrus, thanks for joining the show, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, man. Should be a lot of fun, and I know, for one, I cannot wait for Saturday and to see what Ohio State looks like against Lane Kiffin and FAU. So thanks to Cyrus once more for joining the show. Also remember, our recap episodes here on The Hangout in the Holy Land for every Ohio State game this season are going to go up every Sunday, and I want you guys to be a part of it. So please be sure to interact with me and the show on Twitter. I am at DubsCo, and we are on Twitter as a show at Holy Land Pod. I guess it's just me now, so there is no we. Holy Land Pod at DubsCo. Make sure to send your tweets there. You can also send them to LandGrant33. I want you guys to be a part of this. I want to hear what you guys think after each Ohio State game because it's just going to be me on these recap episodes. And I don't want to just be rambling for like 30 minutes by myself. So I want to get you guys involved. Make sure to send me your feedback and subscribe to the show as well on Apple Podcasts and follow along on Spotify. I couldn't be more pumped for how we're going to run the show this year even though I miss our dear friend Patrick Mayhorn but he's out there killing it so it's just going to be me and please interact with me let me know what you think about every Ohio State game this season it's going to be a lot of fun until then though I want to thank you guys for listening to today's show I want to thank Cyrus one more time for joining the hangout in the Holy Land and I will catch you on Sunday as we recap week one of Ohio State's game with Florida Atlantic until then Go Bucks.